Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Well, how do I address you now that you're fully vaccinated? Do you want to go for like, uh, sir, fully vaccinated Scott Fox? Am I uh, double vax Fox? Uh, what are we going with here? Well, I'll tell you right now, I will no longer be participating in half vax summer like the prime minister wanted us to do. That's not going to happen because I am fully vaccinated. Congratulations. Ah. I'm super jealous. That's great. Well, you know, it was one of those things where I, I think it's a... There's a lot of people who are trying to book their second shot right now, and they're having a hell of a time because they're booking into September and October in some regions. And people think to themselves, all right, well, that's the next appointment. I guess I'll take it. But what a lot of people don't realize is if you stay on the portal, if you keep clicking refresh, or if you request to rebook your appointment, it'll send you a new link and you can just go through and select the one that's closest to you. So initially, my first, sorry, my second dose wasn't supposed to happen for a couple more weeks, but I just stayed on the portal, refresh, 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 and yesterday around 4.30 or so, boom, last minute appointment available today in Milton, so I took it, and I was vaccinated 45 minutes later. Mm. It was great. That's fantastic. But you really, you really got to stay on it. I mean, when they say it's the Hunger Games of vaccinations, it really is. And some of these appointments are gone in split seconds. As soon as it comes up, somebody grabs it. I was doing that yesterday to try and get one sooner. And I did. And and other people can, too. I mean, guys, if you want to book a sooner shot, you can get one today, tomorrow, whatever. You're good. You just have to stay on it. One thing I did notice is there's a lot of clinics that are Moderna clinics. Same-day appointments available for Moderna. It's the Pfizer one that is just, mm-hmm. like, crazy competitive to get a shot for. And I don't know why. If I'd had Moderna for my first shot, I would certainly get Moderna for my second. It's just where I went for my first one happened to have Pfizer that day. So six weeks in between vaccines, two more weeks, and I'll have optimum immunity just in time for the border to reopen. They say that announcement is coming down in the next few days, by the way. No later than Monday, but it might be today or tomorrow that they will reopen the border in early July. Uh, Where we broadcast to on our FM radio show, Waterloo Region, we broadcast out of Kitchener, is now the hotspot in Ontario. 72 new cases yesterday, and people are freaking out. Ah, fuck, what are we going to do? I mean, keep things in perspective. 72 cases in one day, three weeks ago, would have been perfection. We would have been throwing a ticker tape parade to have 72 cases in one day. Yeah, it's true. Not that long ago. It just so happens that now Toronto and Peel are lower than what Waterloo Region is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for sure, the cases are going up in Waterloo Region, and they are in a lot of places. Middlesex, London, Niagara, Hamilton, Ottawa. Cases are going up a little bit. Not a huge uptick, but they are going up some, and there's a few more in hospital in some of those areas. And I have a theory about that, Cat. It's pretty simple. Okay. When we were, and we we fought about this, uh, there was a lot of advocacy for it. Putting out the fires in the hot spots. When we prioritized Toronto and Peel to get all those extra vaccines, they came at the expense of Waterloo, Niagara, Middlesex, London, Ottawa. It can't possibly be a surprise that when they didn't get their fair share a few weeks ago, the numbers would start rising. No matter what, people were ready to reopen. They were ready to go. 
But the vaccines weren't there for them because they all went to Peel in Toronto. And they they had their own priorities. They were doing kids like same day appointments in some cases before the adults were even done. They had the 12 to 17 year olds yep. getting shots. Yep. And, and now uh, they're in a situation where numbers are rising outside of Toronto and Peel. So now they have to go and prioritize them. And for those other areas that weren't the original hotspots and aren't the current hotspots, you're going to have to wait again because they keep fucking with the vaccines. We had a good rollout. It was based on population. The higher population areas got more shots because it was proportionate. To take vaccines away from one area and send them to the hotspots to put out the fires, I understand the argument, but it didn't help because now the other areas have a problem. And, And I think that's what Waterloo's dealing with. So are you telling me that you're not okay with when this announcement comes down today that will likely say that they're going to prioritize Waterloo Region as an example, one of the, mm-hmm. the hot spot? Yep. You, you, you don't like that? You're not okay with that? No, I'm 100% in favor of it because we did it the first time. Yeah, because when, you were not a fan initially. How come you? So why is it that you weren't a fan when it came to G, the GTA, but you are okay with it now? So here's the logic behind that. Initially, I was very steadfast in this, and I disagreed with the the vaccine task force and Patrick Brown and Bonnie Crombie and Peel and John Tory in Toronto crying, ah, the hotspots put out the fire, give us more vaccines, because they have their constituents that they want to satisfy. I get it. That's their job as mayors, to make their voters happy. But it shouldn't have come at the expense of other areas, particularly big areas, big cities. I mean, when you look at... Uh, Hamilton. It's a big city. Anywhere in Canada outside of the GTA, that's a big priority city. Waterloo Region is a huge area. Ottawa is a big area. Middlesex, London. When you took their shots away to give them to Peel and Toronto, great, you did get the situation under control there. But those were just people who didn't want to be patient and wait their turn. Everybody should have got vaccines based on their population. Nationally, That's how it happens. Ontario gets more vaccines than Manitoba. Quebec gets more vaccines than Nova Scotia. That's just the way it works because they've got a bigger population. If they'd kept everything proportionate from the start, I don't think we'd have this problem. However, one thing I will say is since they did do it, now they've got to keep doing it. Well, if a fire comes up, well, you better send more to Waterloo now. And they're going to be constantly chasing this. And I don't understand why it was necessary to do that. Because now you're seeing outbreaks in areas that shouldn't. They should have been vaccinated a while ago. Well, there's a lot of things at play here. I mean, this isn't just based on vaccination. This is also based on some vaccine hesitancy. And I can tell you based on people that I know um, that work with groups of people. And I think, I mean, they've already said in Waterloo Region at the beginning, I'm not sure what it's like here. And I know it's, they call it community spread, but there are people. What are the words? What is the term they actually used last week? Last with week. questionable, like whatever the housing uh, thing was. Oh, well, there's congregate living settings. Congregate living settings. Okay, we'll go with that. I know someone who works with uh, with the homeless, and they do their very best to give them medical care. That's actually their primary job, um, and they're part of a mobile unit. Not to do with this vaccination, by the way. This is something that they did previous to this. There's a lot of people there who are vaccine hesitant. That is, uh, in fact, a majority of the people, and this is straight from this person's mouth who does this for a living, it's very, very difficult for them to uh, to convince them that this is the right thing to do. And they're using all kinds of different ideas based on 
this happening other places. It's not just, of course, in Waterloo Region. There's a lot of different places uh, around the country where they're finding groups of people, uh, particularly they're having a hard time uh, convincing them to take the vaccine. So, I mean, there's only so much you can do. You cannot force someone to take it. But based on those groups of people, if we can't move to step two here in Waterloo Region, I, that is that will shock me if they hold us back. It really will. Oh. Because you didn't let us do it before when it when Toronto was a hot spot, for example, you didn't let us across the board open. And I understood that. And I, I was patient with it, as was as were a lot of people in Ontario. So if they do that, I would be shocked and actually probably pretty disgusted because I think that that is completely unfair based on the people on the ground doing what they need to do. Vaccines are one thing. You're absolutely right. But there is also the vaccine hesitant. So you can't. It's it's like basically a couple of rotten eggs spoiling a whole basket or however you want to put it. You can't do that for the people who are really trying their best here and doing all the right things. It's it's the argument we've had since the beginning. But now that the vaccines are here, it's real. You know what I mean? Like there 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 are people getting their shots in. Second doses are very important. I'm glad and I hope that they are prioritizing Waterloo Region as they should be so that we can all continue in this together. We got through it the first round with GTA, Toronto particularly being a hotspot, Peel being a hotspot. Let's do this again with Waterloo Region. Let's go. Because I don't want to have to sit back and step one, even though I'm doing all the right things and I'm waiting desperately for a second dose appointment. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of people who are. They've signed up and they're just waiting their turn. Uh, and in a lot of those cases, they wouldn't have to had they not been shortchanged in the first place. But I'll agree with you 100% on you know, we tried the regional reopening and for whatever reason, it went sideways because people just couldn't figure it out. And there was a lot of region jumping. So Doug gets on his horse and says, all right, fine. We're closing down at the same time and we'll reopen at the same time. If he even tries to hold Waterloo back and let the rest of the province go to step two, I hope there's a, a mutiny. There should be. I will start it. I will be. I will start it gladly. I think that would be t- unbelievably unfair. Doug is clearly shit scared of John Tory, Patrick Brown, and Bonnie Crombie. He has to be because anytime they ask for something, they get it. And if we don't get the same priority in Waterloo or wherever it happens to be a hotspot—London, Windsor, Ottawa, wherever—then he is not applying the same rules evenly, and that is wrong. So, I mean, Doug hasn't done it yet. We'll give him the opportunity to either sink or swim here. But, Doug, you better be consistent on that. And if Toronto needs to stay shut down for a couple more weeks because Waterloo's got a problem, well, welcome to the fucking party. Because for a year and a few months now, most of the province hasn't had a problem, but they had to be shut down because of the the problem in Peel and Toronto. It's all for one and one for all here. So let's, uh, let's all get on the same page. Having said that, though, I mean, I still don't think anything should be closed. Patrick Brown uh, is all over this uh, personal care services thing. And he yesterday alluded to an underground hair cutting scheme that's going on. If there is, I have no idea who's willing to come over and cut my hair in my backyard. But apparently that sort of shit is happening. Mm hmm. Have you heard of this? Can yeah, you call a, a hair salon over to, to cut your hair in your garage? Yeah, I, I have heard of it. And I've heard of people willing to do it. And I've heard of people going to get it done. The underground salon. And honestly, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. I don't either. Those, the, the people who were, were working in the salons, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I'll say it again. Went to the salon three times since the beginning of COVID. Probably the most careful place that I've been to. Period. The end. 
in this entire thing. I, I The majority of them are doing the right thing. There might be like one bad one every now and again that's like, no masks in here, fuck that. I, I don't know those people personally. The one that I go to, are they're fabulous. I felt safe. There was only three of us getting our hair done in this entire ginormous place. It, they're doing the right things, and it doesn't piss me off one bit. No. I mean, it, it's crazy how long some of these businesses have been shut down. It really is the longest lockdown mm-hmm. in North America. When you look at how long personal services like hair salons and, and nail salons have been closed, indoor dining, like it's worse here than anywhere else in the world. And we still don't fully have it under control. So as we record this podcast, it's about quarter to 10. We'll have some of today's numbers coming in soon, hopefully by the time we're done. But we're not going to go long today because I'll be honest, that second shot yesterday, it's kind of <laughs> kicking my ass a little bit. Yes, I was going to ask. So you're a little bit you're a little bit slow, foggy. How would you describe how you feel after dose two with the Pfizer? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most common side effect. I know there's some people who got like sick. They were on their ass for a couple of days after they got either their first or second shot. For me, I'm not like that, but my arm is probably three times more sore this time than it was after the first shot. And it's, it is like a fog, like a haze that I'm in. I'm just moving sort of in slow motion. It's almost like I'm mildly high, to be honest with you. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. I'm just in a slow gear right now. Gotcha. So gotcha. I'll yep. talk like um, <laughs> Do you want me to here. speak louder or slower <laughs> for you? Who the fuck are you? What are you doing in here? <laughs> uh, a couple of things here. Number one, I, I do want to congratulate the staff at Toronto General Hospital who yesterday put out an amazing video to announce to the ER staff that they are COVID free. They didn't have one mm-hmm. single COVID case mm-hmm. at Toronto General Hospital. Ground zero at one point. No COVID cases in their hospital yesterday. So that's good news. Uh, A couple other things. The Linda O'Leary trial goes into day four today. This is an interesting one, Kat, because yesterday on cross-examination, one of the key witnesses, let me see if I can get her name here, Susan Oricchio, she had originally told the court by video conference that the boat that got hit that she was on had all of its lights on at the time of the collision. But yesterday under cross-examination, she acknowledged telling prosecutors this past April that she couldn't say for sure which lights were on. Oh, it's looking good for Linda at this point. That's the thing is like you are the way that it tends to work is you are innocent until proven guilty, if you will. And that light is a big deal in this case. And if they just simply cannot prove that the light was on for certain, you don't really have much of a case there. I think I don't think so either. It is a relevant detail whether or not the lights were on. We're talking about a lake in the middle of Muskoka at night. There's not a lot of city lights around there. So if there's another boat on the water and it doesn't have its lights on, I I could kind of understand how this could happen, a collision like that. Now, I do think that you probably shouldn't be going that fast in a lake at night, even if you do have your lights on. But either way, if they don't have their lights on, the other boat that Linda O'Leary was apparently driving wouldn't have been able to see the other boat. So there's that. Now, she does insist, listen, I know the lights were on because the lights were on on the dashboard. But apparently that doesn't necessarily mean that the exterior lights on the boat were on. And she can't say for certain. We're talking August 2018, was it, that this happened? 2018, 2019? Uh, 2019. It was the summer of 2019, yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, I don't know that anybody could expect her to know exactly which lights on the boat were on and which ones were not, but it's a relevant thing, and there's some reasonable doubt there about whether or not they were there if the main witness can't remember or say for certain. So I think it does look good for Linda O'Leary. Um, it's funny because as soon as I tweeted out the story this morning, the replies that came in there and on Facebook were instantly, oh, well, she clearly got paid off. Oh, now apparently she can't remember because Mr. Dragon's Den gave her an envelope full of cash. Hmm. Uh, listen, I think that's a pretty cynical thing. His wife's on trial. I don't know that he would obviously go out and bribe a witness in a trial. No, he's not. I, I'm he's pretty not confident a, that never happened. He's not a stupid man. He didn't get to where he was, where he is now being that dumb. Trust That would ruin him completely. He wouldn't do something like that. I don't think he would either. NASA says the Hubble Space Telescope has been offline since Sunday because they're having a problem with the science instruments. It's funny. It never occurred to me. But once something's in space, it's kind of out of arm's reach. It's not like if something goes wrong, you can just send a mechanic up to fix it. It doesn't work like that. But the Hubble went up in 1990. That means the computer that's on board that controls its science instruments is an 80s-era computer. Oh. They think it probably blew a, a motherboard or a backup unit or a memory board or something, but we don't exactly make a lot of parts for 80s-era computers anymore. So, number one, they got to get parts, and then they got to figure out how to fucking fix it. That's a multi-million dollar telescope wow. floating around in space that we can't even use right now because the technology is so outdated. Wow. Yeah, you can't just call someone up and be like, go fix that now. It's, it doesn't work like that. Like, well, I don't even know where you start. What do you call fucking Geek Squad or what do you do? Yeah, they're coming. Uh, yeah, that's insane. But didn't they? This is NASA. I mean, didn't they think about that in advance? Say, hey, guys, uh, this is fucking old. It might crap out on us. What is our backup plan? Or can we get something moving on that? They're just realizing now that they, oh, shit, maybe should have fixed this earlier or or upgraded the equipment, if that's what you would do? I guess. I mean, the thing still works, so they probably didn't need to do much to it. And you got to think back then, you think in the moment. Like right now, we look at our computers and probably think, wow doesn't get much better than this this is fucking great it boots up quickly and i've got my windows here and multiple browsers you probably think hey, this is pretty good it's hard to imagine what technology will exist 30 years from now it'll probably be way better but we can't even envision it in some cases so nasa was the same way they sent it up with state-of-the-art technology at the time hmm. and now we're kind of fucked so i don't know like do they have to go and catch it like reel it in and fix it or... get the canada arm up there get that shit go <laughs> reel it in right canada is time it is time canada to be part of the solution how many cups of coffee do you drink a day so my average is two weekends closer to three yeah you're right on par here uh, every year they update these numbers. How many coffees are you drinking a day? And this year it was relevant because a lot of people work from home. You still getting the same amount of coffee in you as you used to? One in five drink between one and two cups a day. Okay. One in 10 drink three cups a day. 6% drink four, 3% drink five, and 2% of the population drinks six or seven cups of coffee a day. Do you think it's possible to develop an immunity to coffee, to caffeine, to just have it not affect you? Yes. Yeah. I, I, but I also believe that some p 
people, because everybody is different. Anytime we do stories like this, I have to remind people, everybody is different. The way you react to things is different. So I think for some people, they truly just don't react to caffeine the same way others do. Some people are so sensitive to caffeine, they can't even go near the stuff because it really makes their heart palpitate and they're fucking, they're, they're wired. Other people could have one and it's like it never happened. So I do think there's a mix there of, yes, I do think that you can kind of build a, a sort of immunity to it. And also for some people, it just doesn't hit them the same way. I had my one of my best friends, her dad is Italian and he has espresso. And on her wedding morning, I'll never forget this. On her wedding morning, I was a little like draggy kind of thing. He's like, oh, I have some espresso. It's not a big deal. And I was like, oh, really? Like I, I hear it's strong. It's like, no, I have like four or five of these a morning. Like it's not, it's not strong. Oh, okay. So I take one and then nothing happens after like a minute. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll take another little shot of espresso. That was a fucking mistake. Like really? I was shaking. Like I was so wired. For him, it was nothing. So he yeah. probably did build some kind of a tolerance, but I'm not sure if there's any like proof to that. I drink two espressos every single morning. Two. And I don't feel like it has an effect on me because if I wanted to go to bed right after this podcast, like 10 a.m. ish, I could go to bed and take a three hour nap. And that's after my two espressos and probably three regular cups of coffee. It doesn't affect me the same way it even used to. That's why I'm wondering, like, can you build up an immunity or a tolerance for caffeine? Because it doesn't do anything for me anymore. I got to find something stronger. You got anything? Yeah, I know. Got, <laughs> What's in uh, that you, purse over you know there? What what you, you know, I always know someone. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I got um, you. <laughs> while we're talking about things that changed during the pandemic, 68% say they intentionally avoided deodorant at some point mm-hmm. during the lockdown because they didn't see a point in putting it on. 60% of people say they were less active, weren't going to see people, didn't have to go into the office and figured, I'm going to give my smelly pits a break. No deodorant. We're going to get some air on it. (laughs) I did it too. I did. There was days where, well, there's nowhere to go. Nobody's coming over. I don't have to see anybody. So maybe it's good for my body. We'll call this like a one day detox kind of deal. And I wouldn't put deodorant on. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? And same thing goes for perfume, even like body sprays of any kind. Uh, uh, Deodorant, definitely less. I, I use it less too. Uh, makeup. I don't wear makeup regular on a regular basis anymore. Whereas before, maybe I'd, a little bit here and a little bit there. Uh, it's it's amazing, actually, the the amount of stuff I don't use that I used to. I'm sure I'll use again, that said, some of them once we're in-person meetings and doing things in person more and getting together, especially this summer. I'll use those things more, especially deodorant. But I'm right there with them. Yeah, I... I mean, I didn't put a lot of makeup on to begin with, so I'm kind of exempt on that one. Uh, product for my hair, I don't even bother anymore. Yeah. Hat or just completely au naturel. Uh, yeah, I guess at some point I'm going to have to get my shit together and do the uh, trip down to shoppers and stock up on the toiletries. I should clean myself up at some point. It's just right now I'm still not going anywhere. Um, imagine you're in this scenario. New York City, a guy had secured a pretty substantial amount of marijuana. 19 pounds of weed this guy had. That's worth about $20,000, they say. He was carrying it in a garbage bag, and his whole uh, objective here was to sell it to this group who was going to buy it, divide it up, and then sell it themselves and mark up the price. Mm -hmm. So, all right, fine. That, I think, happens fairly regularly. But his customers 
all pulled out guns. Why pay $20,000 for a garbage bag of weed when you can just threaten to kill them and take the bag of weed? That's the line of thinking. So this guy said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not fucking doing this. You know, I may not have my 20 grand, but you're not getting the weed. He hurled it off the roof of the building they were on. Here's the thing. Below that roof was a sidewalk where there were many, many, many pedestrians. Oh, no. (laughs) It's raining weed. Remarkably, though, the weed didn't hit anybody. But as soon as people realized, it's fucking raining cannabis right now. Apparently, they were scrambling to get their hands on anything they could. Some people were filling their pockets full of pot. Free, right there on the street, New York City. It's all on video if you want to see it. The New York Daily News has got it. You've dreamed of it, and now it's here. (laughs) You know? But, okay, so, I mean, this could happen. Not necessarily where it falls from the sky, but how many times have you been behind one of those beer store trucks that says, uh, back off, we're not going to drop any? There also has to be some trucks taking all the government-authorized weed to all those Ontario cannabis store locations. Sure. How long until one of those things flips over on the highway and boom, <laughs> I can pot everywhere. I'll be right there. The problem with the OCS shit, though, is it's so hard to open those things up that, like, <sighs> you'd have to just take it as is in the boxes because taking the boxes apart is, like, fucking five-minute activity. It takes two people in some cases. <laughs> it does. I've I got mean, a lot of it. Yeah. Se- seriously, there was one time it came in this little black box. It almost looked like the old-school cigarette cases. So it's a black container, and what you have to do is on either side of it, you have to press in the sides, mm-hmm. and then use your thumb from your other hand to lift up the top. Yep. I fought with this fucking thing for five minutes. Yeah. If the goal <laughs> is to make sure kids can't get into it, <laughs> I think you're doing a pretty good I, job. I, I'm an adult, and I couldn't fucking get into it. I, I was ready to go and get a saw. I could have literally put my joint in, in my two-year-old's crib, and she wouldn't have been able to figure that shit out. <laughs> Honestly, it's insane. <laughs> Uh, let Oh, one more story here, and then I want to talk about Nick Cannon for a sec. Fucking Nick Cannon. Two people got kicked off of a flight recently. They were going from San Francisco to Las Vegas because they got on the plane, and it came to blows because they couldn't agree on who should get the armrest. Oh, yeah. yeah. The guy in the middle wanted the armrest, but so did the guy on the aisle. So they actually got into a fucking fist fight. The plane hadn't even taken off yet. They were only taxiing. They had to turn around and go back to the gate and unload these two passengers off who had to go and speak to police after that. Can we all not agree that the sucker who ends up in the middle seat gets the armrests? Yeah. In, I mean, it's the worst spot on a plane. It's terrible. But the person could have been a prick, too. I mean, we've all sat next to questionable people or near questionable people, maybe on a plane or a train, whatever it is. It's possible this person was just an asshole as well. But yeah, for me, if I'm lucky enough to get that coveted window seat and I've got a stranger beside me, I'm giving you all the room you need, man. I will squeeze myself up against this plane window. No problem. I'll let you have some room. I am so methodical about getting that window seat that I'm the guy who does pay the extra fee to pre-book my seat in advance so that I get the window. Mm -hmm. And I even look at the direction we're going to be traveling so that I'm on the right side of the CN Tower or the water or wherever I'm going when we land and I get a great view. I go way out of my way to make sure I've got that window. People who sit in the middle, I'm sorry. You got fucked. Yeah. I don't know if you were just cheap and didn't want to pay the $20 to select your seat. Or if that was the only thing left. 
but you are getting bent over when they stick you in the middle seat. Here's a question. Would you rather on a plane, and maybe I'm putting you in a tough position here, but let's say you're traveling with your girlfriend. Would you rather on a plane have to sit in the middle seat, but you get to sit next to your girlfriend who gets either the aisle or the window, or sit by yourself in an aisle beside a stranger just so you can get that window seat? Okay, so I don't know. Maybe I'm a travel asshole. I'm not sure. <laughs> but a it's travel more, snob. Yeah, but I mean, I'm considerate in that I assume my girlfriend would also like a window seat. If for no other room, but the extra room. You've got something to lean on if you want to close your eyes for a bit. So I will book her a window seat and I will book a window seat. Okay. We won't necessarily sit together. So, so you'd we rather sit next window. to a stranger as long yeah. as you didn't get that middle seat. Right. I mean, we're not going to do anything. It's not like she's going to like give me a handy or well, something like that. So what does it fucking matter? We don't need to sit beside each other. We're going to spend the whole trip together. So, yeah, you, right. you can sit a couple fair. rows ahead or a couple rows behind, but you'll get a window. I mean, I think that's a fair compromise. The aisle seat is where it's a big scam. You know, it's like they've led you to believe that, oh, if you sit on the aisle, you get more leg room. You really don't. No. I mean, you you can stretch out, but your foot's going in the aisle, and you're probably going to end up with a broken toe from the cart going by. You know you know how I always end up scoring? I say scoring just based on the middle seat, but I always end up on the aisle because I have a small bladder. And on an airplane, if they even let me have a drink, it's always lovely when I can actually get a sip of something on a plane, I will be that person that has to use the bathroom every now and again, and I don't want to inconvenience the rest of the row so I'll usually volunteer myself or announce that I am that person that's going to make you get up a couple of times. So don't get too cozy in that aisle seat. If you don't want me to have to bug you, then let me have the aisle seat. Yeah. Uh, that's another shitty part, though, about the aisle seat is every time the person beside you or the person beside them has to go to the bathroom, yep. you got to get up. Yep. And then do you sit back down and put your seatbelt on or do you just stand up and wait for them to come back? Like the whole fucking thing is awkward. Yeah. No, window seat for me. And if I have to go to the bathroom, I've got to really need to go before I'll climb over two different strangers to get to the bathroom. Yes, There's no fucking way I'm doing that. It's the worst. I mean, it's been a while since I've been. (laughs) I can't wait for my next awkward encounter on a plane. This is great. It's getting closer. (laughs) All right. We're low on time. Let's quickly talk about Nick Cannon. He's in the news with Father's Day now just a couple of days away. He's a new dad. Again. Congrats, Nick Cannon. So his, I'm going to use the term girlfriend here several times. I don't know what the real relationship is to any of these women. I'm just going to say girlfriend. Uh, But congratulations. Yes, Nick Cannon's girlfriend, Abby De La Rosa, just gave birth to twins. Very nice. Now, we also found out his other girlfriend, for lack of any other term we know of, is pregnant with his child as well. So Nick's other woman, third woman, had a baby back in December. So he doesn't often talk about his feelings on monogamy. I'm going to assume he's like, fuck no, not for me. So he's he got... He sounds like a polygamist, to be honest with you. Yeah, That's I mean... The way it sounds. You're absolutely... No, I think you're right. And he has alluded to it before that he's not really... Marriage didn't end up being for him. Uh, it's not what he wants. He doesn't want to be... T- I don't even want to say tied down to one person because he's tied down to many people here. So I don't know what it is, but monogamy in general doesn't seem to be a concept that he enjoys. So with this baby on the way, this will be Nick Cannon's seventh child in total, his fourth in one year with three different moms and a total of five baby mamas. Okay. I know we don't know how he feels 
about monogamy. Do we know how he feels about contraception or prophylactics? Because, dude, how the fuck do you get three women pregnant in one year? I mean, there are, to be fair, okay, and I don't get this either. I'm not saying I get this and this is my kind of deal. It's not. This is overwhelming to me. But for some people who might have a family of 11, 12 children, if to them... It's all the same if they have those kids with other people, with multiple people, and all they want is a big family that doesn't necessarily have to be all with the same uh, mom and dad, then what's the big deal? As long as he's paying that and support, which I assume he is, it seems like this is planned. If I can be quite honest with you, it seems to me like he's planned this out. He wants a big family, but it doesn't mean that he wants it with one person. So he's got twins with Mariah. We know that. He's got other kids, too. Like I said, in total, he has seven children, including the one that's on the way this year. So, and five baby mamas. So as long as he's okay paying what he's supposed to be paying and being responsible in that way, and hopefully he's there for all of his kids, and at least he wants to let you know on social media he is, then I don't I don't hate on it. It's not my choice. It's not what I would choose in life. But if if as long as everyone's taken care of there, I don't know how the kids are going to feel about it one day. That's the part that's going to be a little tricky to explain to your, you know, your kid that they have many other half siblings because daddy chose to do it that way. And mommy was OK with it, too. It's not for everybody, but it is the way of Nick Cannon. Yeah, the way of Nick Cannon's a weird way. I. uh I'm wondering if there's any like sort of a long-term goal here to try and get everybody under one roof. Yeah. Uh, Mariah, that, how do hey, you bring it up listen, to all of them? You know, Mariah's going to be like, fuck no. Fuck no. That's not going to happen with Mariah. No. The other ones, though, maybe, maybe he could. I mean, if they're all okay with it, and baby mom n- number one knows that there's also... Four more of her they out know. there. They Seven know. kids total. I mean, yeah. think about Sunday. Think about Father's Day at Nick Cannon's house. It's going to look like a goddamn vaccine clinic. There's going to be people <laughs> lined up down the street waiting to get in for their turn with dad. It's fucked up. It's you got seven kids with five women. You've had four kids this year. You know, it... it- <laughs> This is why he needs so many fucking jobs. This is why he hosts. <laughs> this is why, this is why yeah, that's host, why he's stealing all the gigs. And he'll host anything because he's got kids to feed. <laughs> Seriously, dude. Yeah. Fuck. Well, I mean, hey, if he's okay with it and everybody's safe and and everybody's happy and well taken care of, like you said, hey, to each their own. I mean, nobody should criticize another person's parenting technique. Uh, this is just a strange one. I mean, the whole circumstance is weird unless his master plan is get everybody all under one roof, uh, which would be it, that seems very polygamous to me. And I don't know. What do you just go and knock on a different door every night? Like, hey, uh, baby mama number one. Tonight's your <laughs> night. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to introduce you to baby mom number four. Why don't you guys both come into my room tonight? It could be like that. Or maybe. He just realizes that to have the amount of kids he wants to have in the time he wants to have them, he needs many different women. Yep. A, a woman can only have so many kids at once. Usually it's just one. If you want four kids in one year, you're going to have to knock up a couple at a time. It's very efficient if you think about it. Yeah, he's, I mean, yeah. he's like an assembly line of semen. Just boom, 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 boom. Shot, 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 shot. Champagne, champagne. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs>
<laughs> so what happens if he gets like a, an invite to the Oscars or the Emmys? How does how does he decide who's going? Yeah, he's going to have to go alone. Yeah, that's it, right? Pick. You can't pick between your five no. baby mamas. You go, you know, you're going to have to go it alone, bud. Yeah, I'm going to take Jong. my own mom, not one of my kids' moms this time. You Sorry, take, guys. Take fucking Ken Jong with you or some shit. Don't take any of your family members. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if Ken ended up living <laughs> with them, too. <laughs> it's good to have a doctor around. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm dragging here. My. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, This second dose is kicking my ass. So we're going to wrap it up. Have a good one. We'll be back tomorrow for the Friday show. Dave Blizzard is going to join us as he does every Friday. And book your shot. And and you know what? After you book your shot, click uh, reschedule and keep trying to get something sooner. Let's get everybody vaccinated quick so we can get on with this shit. Have a great day. You know, the Tiger King, Joe Exotic, is still in prison serving a 22-year sentence for soliciting a hitman. But that hasn't stopped him from spreading his business wings. Joe announced via Twitter that he is launching a line of cannabis products from jail. Edibles and smokables, too. But, boy, between the, the tigers and the prison and the weed, does anyone else think it's weird that Joe Exotic and Mike Tyson are following the exact same post-boxing career path? According to an annual list that was just released, New Jersey is America's best state to live in. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Yeah, the key factors they considered were cost of living, quality of education, and access to gabagool. (laughs) The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.